We could just say one chapter or just the book or however you like. All right. Well, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love and your grace. Once again, Lord, as we get to come and open your word, Lord, thank you that the way is open, Lord, that we get to come to your throne, Lord, and we get to boldly come, Lord, and we get to find help and and mercy in times of need, Lord, and in your grace. Lord, thank you for your grace. And Lord, uh, pray, Lord, as we humbly come before you tonight, Lord, that you would pour out your grace. Lord, that uh, give us the ears to hear what you desire to bring, what you desire to teach, Lord, what you desire to have hidden away in our hearts, Lord, uh, and to, to receive these things and do these things, Lord, for your glory. Lord, thank you for your truth. Lord, your word is truth. And Lord, thank you for the grounding that we have. Give you all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, do we live in bizarro times or do we live in bizarro times where people don't know what's what anymore? Well, actually they do. They just don't want to admit it. (laughs) The desire to have experts rule and tell you what to do and not be able to make your own decisions. And bizarro, yes, no, maybe, but uh, really in all reality, what we see is the fruit of the rejection of the Word of God and truth. The rejection of truth. And um, if this is not the strong delusion yet that God is going to hand people over to, I really don't want to see what happens when that does. Because there's a lot of strong delusion out there. It's interesting that uh, if you've ever read philosophers or looked into that Frederick Nietzsche I don't recommend really looking into him but uh, he uh, wrote against God and tried to make the claim that God is dead but uh, he fessed up and he said the reason why God is not dead yet is because words still have meaning interesting huh (laughs) so that was back in late 1800s if I remember rightly when he was writing um, but words don't have meaning. That was his thought, and, and how true, because God wrote down things with meaning, and they have meaning for a reason, because if they don't, well, none of this applies to anything. Nothing applies to anything. And um, I watched uh, in a, a discussion that two people had. One of them's an atheist, and I guess he's known for writing a lot of good history books. And he's uh, working on his last one, he claims. And one of the claims he made was quite interesting. I thought that he would feel really bad if he died before he finished it. Like, hmm, how does that work out? Because if you're really an atheist and you really believe that, you, you wouldn't feel anything, right? What would it matter? The books that you wrote, what do they matter? Because... They turn into to nothing. But you see that there's really that longing, that yearning, that idea that there is something. They think what they write down is some sort of legacy, and that's how they'll live on. But again, that defeats what atheism truly means. So it's quite weird. 
But just, again, proof, you know, that's the fruit of, of rejecting God's word and really rejecting uh, the first three words in the Bible, right? In the beginning, God. Well, I guess that's four words, isn't it? In the. That's also proof that God likes baseball, right? In the beginning. Ah, uh, yeah, ha, ha, ha. Never mind. <laughs> All right, we'll try to have no more bad jokes tonight. Can't promise, but we'll try. All right, Third John. I'm going to read the whole letter and then come back to it and go through it. So, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the truth, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath good report of all men, and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. So the rejection of God's word, because as we read this letter, you know, there's the rejoicing of truth because of what it does for us in our lives. And John is, is writing and, and very thankful that he sees them doing the truth, just living that out. And, um, you know, you think of, what we face in this world and um, even from the very beginning when Satan even came and did God really say to, to bring in that doubt? And, and then we know what happens that they doubted and they sinned and we have what we have and we're told not to love this world for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And, and really that, that pride, then, you know, that's the, the other witness we see in this letter, is that subtlety of pride that, that sneaks in. And, and that's why um, it's written uh, as the really three things that Satan brings to bring his attack. 
Why do we sin? Well, it's either through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. And many times it's the pride that's really uh, at the forefront of all that, because it's the, the me first idea. So uh, when we read about Diotrephes, you know, he loved the preem- preeminence. And preeminence very simply means to aspire to preeminence, to desire to be first. And that's really where that subtlety comes in, is that desire to be first. Because that's really before us all, isn't it? All the time. The desire to be first, the desire to to get my way, the, the desire to have it my way, the desire to make sure I'm taken care of, the desire to uh, make sure... I'm pleased and, and happy, and, and it's all about me. And and you can see how the world very simply caters to that. Any advertisement, um, bombarded with, with those all day long, telling you what, what you didn't know that you need to make you feel like, well, I, I guess I do need that. I like that, or wow, that looks really great, or that's going to make me feel good, or it's going to make me look good, or whatever it happens to be. But that that desire for that preeminence, the desire to be first. And we have three witnesses in this letter, as John is writing. We see Gaius, we see Diotrephes, and we see Demetrius. And we see Gaius who walks in the truth, he's faithful, doesn't really cater to favorites. He takes care of the, the brethren, the strangers as they come through. Um, no issues. Demetrius, who is a good witness of the truth. And Diotrephes, who puts self first as he loves the preeminence. He rejects correction, as John mentioned. He wrote to him, but he rejected it. He's inhospitable. He's a false accuser. You know, with the old King James there, prating, that means to, to bring idle accusations, to just um, really, you know, when someone brings maybe a correction to you in your life, at least for me, one of the first things that wants to come to my mind is defensive mode. And think, hmm, no, that, that couldn't be me. And then immediately think, how can I now attack this person? Well, you do these things and you do that, and but that's you know really what are we doing with God's word? And when the correction comes, can I receive it? And and that's really what it is to to walk in truth as well. That's part of what it is to to walk in truth. But Diotrephes here, false accuser, he's hateful, and he. Uh, he probably didn't invent cancel, cancel culture, but you can see cancel culture right here, right? As he's kicking people out. So nothing new under the sun, is there? It's always been there. <laughs> people always desiring to do things. But a few things as, as we take into account these three people's lives. Doesn't necessarily say that Diotrephes is an unbeliever, right? Are there believers that act this way? I dare say yes. <laughs> right? That put themselves first. That desire to, to be catered to. That um, aren't really 
denying self and taking up their cross and following Jesus, just, hey, you got my fire insurance and good to go. Whenever we fall in sin, what are we doing? Putting self first. And so it's not a picture of who's saved, who's not saved, or even of Gaius and Demetrius. You know, they're, I like that there's not a list of things that they're doing as if we need to model that list in order to walk in truth. It's just John is simply letting them know, hey, you're walking in the truth, really living out God's word. Because if they sin, if they're walking in truth, what do they do? Seek forgiveness, repentance, desire the, the reconciliation. That's walking in truth. If Diotrephes were to repent of these things, what would he be doing? Walking in truth and right back there with him. And so we're not looking at this as to um, don't be, uh, you know, Diotrephes is bad. Just like when we read the the Pharisees, we can't immediately assume I'd never be a Pharisee. I mean, look how bad they are. But really to learn from these things, to take these things in and say, what must I be doing to make sure I'm not a Pharisee or not acting like a Diotrephes or those things and, and desire to, to live that way? And so we see Gaius and Demetrius and they're walking in the truth and it, it's not an unattainable picture, I don't believe. I think it's very attainable for all of us to to simply walk in the truth. And that's, again, just simply walking out God's word, desiring his word in our life, and walking these things out. Again, when we sin, what should we do? Repent. And and if it's against another, go to them. Ask for the forgiveness, the, the repentance. And repentance is simply, I agree with God. He's right. I'm wrong. So I must turn from my ways to his ways. If we keep things that simple, it helps keep us in the light and not in the darkness. And so John writes, uh, he's the elder. He's quite old at this time uh, when he's writing this letter. And what a letter if if you were Gaius, right? If you received this, I'd be like, wow, <laughs> that's pretty cool that John the Apostle, the one who walked with Jesus, the one who I read in the gospel was the one whom Jesus loved, right? He's writing me this wonderful letter, but uh, the elder. And don't think like times were easy here too, like we have it hard. They had it probably harder, and yet they could still walk in the truth against the cancel culture of their times, right? Against all the attacks and, and whatnot that came against them. You know, one of the customs of, of Rome was yearly, you had to do the uh, the pinch of salt, right, to declare that uh, Caesar was God, if I remember that rightly. <laughs> Something to that effect, but um, how many people maybe did that just so that they could avoid any sort of attack or being canceled or whatever it was? Um, what's his name? The saints? No, can't remember his name now. He, Polybus. Not, not Polybus. Polycarp. That's it. Thank you. A disciple of John. 
he lived his whole life, and right at the end, they told him to do that. Otherwise, they were going to kill him. His answer was, I followed the Lord all these years, and you want me to deny him now? You're mad. No way. They killed him. But he wasn't into, into that. He walked in the truth because he knew the Lord. He knew, just like in um, Hananiah's and Azariah and Mishael, if I got the Hebrew names right. <laughs> they knew the Lord. They weren't going to bow down. If the Lord saves us from the fire, the Lord saves us from the fire. If he doesn't, we're still serving him because we're going to be with him. And that's way better than you, O King Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> so the elder, John, unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. And what a phrase that is, I think. Just whom I love in the truth. Not just whom I love, but whom I love in the truth. And, and really speaks a, of a sincere love, a godly love. The world's definition of love, I heard this said, it was last year, I think, and I thought it was pretty spot on. Claimed that the world's feeling-based love is, I'm emotionally invested in you for what you do for me. That's the world's definition of love. I only love because of how you make me feel. I'll invest some of my emotion into you because you make me feel okay when you do those things I like or you do it the way I want, you know, whatever it happens to be and, you know, how true it is. And that's that preeminence, that desire to satisfy self and seek after self. And, and John here says to, to Gaius, whom I love in the truth, and loving in the truth, I believe, puts away any sort of measuring stick that we can falsely use with one another as we like to to do that many times right measure one another up and who's better and who sins more or whatever and failing to recognize that that the true measurement is between us and the lord because when we measure that way we realize that in me nothing good dwells and that includes everybody else and and then i can love others in the truth because we're both in us, nothing good dwells, right? So I can't be better than nothing good, right? Can't really top that. Can't look better than that, but we're both there. <laughs> and we can love one another in the truth. He continues on, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. And nice greeting there. You know, that he wishes that he would prosper, be in good health. And, and really, you know, it's the same sort of things that we greet one another with. Hope you're doing well and things are going well for you. And um, it's not a, a focus on uh, bad doctrine or theology that somehow that uh, you're supposed to be healthy, wealthy, wise, and never sick and whatnot. But really just, hey, I hope you're doing well. What's the most important thing? Even as thy soul prospereth. That's the most important thing that John is focused on. How your soul prospers. How well you're doing. For I rejoice greatly 
when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And really the joys of, of walking in truth. You know how truly encouraging it, it is when we see others walking in the truth, right? When we see people living that honest life and um, believing God, taking God at His Word, and doing His Word, that truly is, is, a, is a source of, of great rejoicing. We should be rejoicing in those things. And, and uh, you know, coming across this and, and reading that John had no greater joy than to hear these things and made me think, well, who do I rejoice in? Who walks in the truth? Who am I very thankful for that they're walking in the truth? And um, I think we can all agree, aren't we so thankful that our pastor walks in the truth and desires the truth and desires to to pour that out and, and be that way and, and walk in that way? And, and husbands, when they look at their wives, they should be excited, right? I'm so excited that you're walking in the truth and wives to husbands, right? That the joy that should be there. Because when they're not walking in the truth, what do you end up having? Some strife, right? Because the preeminence, I must be first and I'll only do this if you do that and, and whatnot. But how great it is. Parents watching their children walking in the truth. I mean, that should bring great excitement. Like, wow, they're walking in the truth and being raised up in the admonition and teaching of, of the Lord and, and these things. And and Friends walking in the truth and, and us walking in the truth and should be a source of great enjoyment. Now, I haven't written a letter in quite a while, but you know, just I mean these thoughts come to me is is who could I write a letter like this to? Maybe not so much about the diatrophies part, because I'd rather just stick to the, the good stuff, right? <laughs> but just really, man, so excited how you're doing in the Lord. And how you're walking in the Lord and, and these things that are happening. Because if we let that preeminence kind of take over, don't we sometimes like look at people who are truly walking in the truth going, man, they keep showing me up because they're doing it so much better. doesn't make me happy. But again, that's that subtlety of that pride. And I think that's, you know, the whole point of Diotrephes here is just to reveal that subtlety that we wouldn't read about Diotrephes and go, yeah, that's not me, of course. I'm good. I'm a good Christian boy that does it all right, right? <laughs> but to, to learn from these things to go, hey, what am I doing to make sure I'm not a Diotrephes? And, and then be able to take these, uh, these examples and be super excited. You think of John the Apostle. We we would think, who who could be more loving and walking in the truth than, than him? He walked with Jesus all those years, and, and he was the last apostle alive. Wow. And the way he wrote, my little children, and he wrote about love, and, and those were main things in his writings. And imagine if he came to your church, you'd be super excited about him speaking and and many times he wouldn't it said that he wouldn't really say much 
you just say, love one another. And that's it. Like, well, I guess that does sum it up, doesn't it? You're right. We should love one another. And we should be excited about walking in the truth and, and those walking in the truth and, and what that really means and how encouraging and strengthening that is. Now, Jesus, he had something to say about walking in the truth. If we turn to John 3, so from 3 John to John 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 18. So Jesus, we all know verse 16, right? Everyone's got that one down. We're going to pick it up in verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness, rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So what does Jesus say? He that doeth truth cometh to the light. So I find these things interesting. Because verse 20 says, everyone that does evil hates the light. And Jesus doesn't say, do good, which maybe we would think because that's opposite of evil, right? Hey, do more good than the evil that's being done. But no, he says, do the truth. He that does the truth is the one that comes to the light. Not just doing good, because if you're doing the truth, what are you doing? You're doing what is good, because God is good. His word is right. And so we must live by the truth and do the truth. And it's not a matter of trying to do good. Uh, to make up for the bad, right? That was my false philosophy all my life. Well, almost all my life. I've done more good things than I've done bad things. Therefore, that makes me good. And that's not God's equation. <laughs> that's not his scales. One bad, one sin drops the scale down, and there's nothing you can put on the other side that will ever try to balance it out or even raise, raise it up. For the wages of sin, singular, is death. And therefore, there's nothing more that I could do. So that's why Jesus doesn't say, do good. He says, do the truth. Part of the truth is believing on him who is the way, the truth, and the life. That's doing truth. That's walking in the truth, is believing in the one, the only one who can save. So it's not a matter of us trying to do good to, to make up for the evil, but we are to live by God's word. 
you know, one thing I, I realize when I get upset when I fail because I'm trying and trying and trying to do good, it's really that reminder to me that I'm just trying to reform the flesh when I'm trying to do good, trying to make this thing that's not good better. Try the self-improvement plans, right? I'll make it better somehow. But that's not what Jesus says. We are to deny the flesh, right? Deny self. Because, again, there's nothing good in me. There's nothing I can improve on that was going to make nothing good better. Can't ever happen. And therefore, um, that's that, again, subtlety of the preeminence thinking that I'm good, and there's somehow I can, I can prove it. But you can't. And the only way good is ever done is when we're simply doing the truth. Because we're doing God's Word. So God's good, right? He's the Father of lights. In Him there's no shadow, no turning, no nothing. But His goodness. There's no uh, variableness with Him. Neither shadow of turning get that verse right there <laughs> but uh, you look at uh, all the instructions that we get out of the Psalm 119 I think I think there's lots of great instruction about his word and, and doing these things but they are like that light to us as we do truth what Jesus say do the truth come into the light and the word is like a light right Psalm 119 105 thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119.130 The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Psalm 119.11 Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Proverbs 4.18 But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more in more unto the perfect day. So instead of saying it looks like it's getting darker out there, what should we say? Hey, I'm on the path, the highway of holiness. And my life is getting brighter and brighter as I get closer to Jesus Christ. The world's always going to be dark. The world's always going to do the things that they do. Can we redeem the world that rejects God? No. I mean, we're surprised when people do crazy things, but at the same time, we're not surprised, right? Because that's the way of the world. <laughs> we get surprised because of the, that subtlety of preeminence. We want, I want my old ways back. I want the, the ease of life back or whatever we thought that we had before things were taken away. But again, the simplicity as we get closer and closer to Jesus, I think, as this proverb says, that path gets brighter and brighter, especially as we're walking in truth. His word right there. Those verses we read, amazing. Just uh, continue in that, the encouragement to continue in the word. Be encouraged in him. Encouraged when, hey, everybody else might be doing it wrong. Proverbs twenty-three, twenty-three. Buy the truth and sell it not. If you ever read Pilgrim's Progress, and if you haven't, I recommend um, not to take away from Bible reading, 
but maybe TV or something. Read Pilgrim's Progress. Now, when um, Christian and faithful were on their way to the celestial city, they came to this town called Vanity Fair. And in Vanity Fair, they were selling everything there was to do. Everything that would satisfy the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And they were doing everything to keep focused and and keep going through. And the people got upset because they weren't partaking into all their activities. And they said, what would you buy? And they said, we would buy the truth. And this flipped them out and the town got upset and dragged them uh, before the courts and had a sham trial and eventually burned faithful at the stake because they would not buy into their things. They desired the truth. And again, as we live in a vanity fair, buy the truth, sell it not. Walk in the truth, just as, as John is writing to his friend Gaius, excited that you continue to walk in the truth, to believe the Word of God and believe what He has and continue on. Now, truth seeks no corners, meaning there's nothing to hide. There's nothing to try to squirrel away. There's nothing to uh, um, make sure no one looks at. And in fact, welcomes any sort of scrutiny anyone were to bring. Now, typically, when we're working on something and the boss wants to check it out and super scrutinize it, if we haven't done a great job or we know that maybe we've been lazy or whatever it happens, we don't like the scrutiny, right? We don't want another set of eyes on it. But if we're doing things in the truth, feel free. Look at it. I'd be glad for you to check these things out. I desire to do what's right, and I desire to, to produce what's right and, and, and all that. and has no issues with anyone looking over it. Usually the excuse is, man, quit micromanaging me. Who cares if someone wants to micromanage you? In the end, right, what does it matter? If you're doing what's right, and if you're doing uh, all things as unto the Lord, great, check it out. I love it. And I'll tell you where I got uh, all the wisdom and all the strength to do it from. Well, that's okay. No problem, right? (laughs) As soon as you bring the Lord into it, um, I like when my supervisor tries to give me accolades, and I'm like, ah, yeah, that's the Lord. It's the Lord who did that. Well, okay. (laughs) But uh, anyways, (laughs) it's good. Hey, check it out. Love it. Now, I don't always have that attitude. Why? Because the subtlety of that preeminence likes to sneak in, and, and then when I get caught, which I like when I get caught. I don't like when I get caught, but I like when I get caught, right? Isn't that how it goes? <laughs> like, oh, thank you, Lord. Boy, boy, what a bonehead I was. <laughs> thank you for bringing that into my life and, and revealing that. And, and here, as truth, um, as we live in the truth, desire the truth, you know, we want to know the will of God. 
and desire to to do what he has, even when it's contrary to our, our own desires and wills, right? Psalm 26, verse 2 and 3. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. Psalms 139, verse 23, 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. It's a good one. It's one that, if you've never prayed it, might be a scary one, right? If you have things that you know that are tucked away, that you think that can't be seen or known, you don't want to pray this prayer, right? Because you think for some reason that God doesn't know. He does. So it's a good prayer to pray. Lord, search me. So it's not really so much um, for him to, to point uh, to, whoop, I found that one. No, it's our desire that the Lord would point out where our hearts are and our desire for it to have it revealed so that we could repent, turn from it, turn to him. Lord, thank you for showing that in my life. That was wrong. That is wrong. I desire to follow your ways. Walking in the truth, uh, you know, truth seeks to be taught. Psalms 27:11. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Psalm 86:11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Psalm 119.33 Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Psalm 143.10 Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God, thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of a brightness. Reading through the Psalms, one gets a sense that desires to live according to what the Lord has, right? Teach me your ways. And it's a continuous thing. Truth seeks to do what is taught and not just have head knowledge, not to be caught up in their own conceits, but to not have just knowledge, but to actually live it out. Because we can fill our heads up with lots of knowledge. We could have all the, the Bible trivia um, there is, and, and we're in all the Bible trivia games. They had Jeopardy for Bible trivia. You could be the champion. But yet, if you do nothing with it, what good is that in the end? Isn't that a good picture? The Dead Sea, the living water flows in. And nothing flows out. And what's wrong with the Dead Sea? It's dead. <laughs> no life. Now, it is fun to go float in it. No? no? Except for one person. Everybody else loves it, right? <laughs> well, I liked it. Not for extended periods of time because after a while 
It feels weird. Warmish water and feels oily. Yeah. But then you just float. And you have to fight not to float. Where it's usually the opposite. You have to fight to keep floating. Here, you just whoop. And you're there. Anyways. Yeah. Just don't open your eyes in the water. If you have lots of cuts, probably shouldn't go in. But anyways, Proverbs 12:27. That's going to be our warning here. <laughs> the slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting. But substance, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. So Maybe a familiar verse on day 12 of the month of your Proverbs reading, if you do that. But the slothful man roasteth not what he took in hunting. And, you know, just imagine the expert hunter. He's got all the right gear. Expert tracker is able to get up early, goes out, tracks whatever he's hunting, able to, to get in the right spot through the the hills and down through the valleys and gets his prey in in sight and bam, gets him. And then he's like, wow, that really took everything out of me to do that. And just does nothing. I mean, what a waste. You know, it looked cool and great all at the beginning and maybe he teaches hunting classes and and is the one to watch in, in the and the pro that people think to, to follow. But if he does nothing after that, it was all for naught. It was a waste. Now, if we take all the Word of God and, and, and have all that Bible knowledge and, and look great and, and, and wear the right Christian clothes or whatever and, and look the part and can teach the Bible and, and can do all those things, but yet... You do nothing with the Word of God. It's really all for naught. What, what's it for? And that's why it's not just about getting head knowledge. And the psalmist there, he doesn't say, teach me, Lord, and then end the story, but so that I may walk in your ways, so that I could have your Word hid in my heart that I would not sin against you. It's there for the doing. Out of the mouth proceed the issues of the heart, Right? Of, of what we do. It's not out of the mouth the issues of the brain, but of the heart, because that's where the action and, and the life is, is, is out of that heart. And, and that's why we desire to put the Word of God in our heart. I like the picture, you know, the heart pumping life, the blood all through your veins and keeping you alive and, and doing all the right things. And what a picture that is for the Word of God going in our heart and and that's how our life is sustained by that word of God and then walking that out. And, um, so slothful, even though it looked like he was great in all he did, in the end, he's really slothful. Here are some more warnings about being slothful. Proverbs 26, 12 through 16. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Now, if you go back earlier, I forget the chapter, but it's in Proverbs, what you see, what the hope of a fool is. 
there's not much hope. So if there's less hope than a fool, that's really, really, really bad spot. But someone wise in their own conceit, more hope of a fool than him. The slothful man saith, there is a lion in the way, a lion in the streets. As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful man upon his bed. The slothful hideth his hand in his bosom. It grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. How many people think they're so smart out there and don't even know anything? They just regurgitate the expert talk. (laughs) They know nothing. Wise in their own conceit. Not willing to, to look into anything. Not willing to dig out the information. Not willing to uh, do any of that. Can you imagine being so lazy that you'd have food in your hand and you can't even raise it up to your mouth? What a picture. <laughs> but yet the Word of God, isn't it like bread? And can we be so lazy that we have it in our hands and we refuse to take it in? What a picture. Because the other half of the, the, the hunter, the slothful man, not wanting to roast, but, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. Now the Bible talks about being diligent, right? Second Peter talks about being diligent to add to your faith virtue, to add to your virtue knowledge. And the knowledge is gnosos in the Greek, which means experiential knowledge. So the faith, believing God, right? The virtue, the desire to do what he has. And the knowledge, his word, and experiencing it and living it out and, and so on. Diligence. How is the Word of God talked about in the Bible? Wisdom, more precious than silver, than gold, than all the wealth that you can imagine. We can imagine a lot of wealth, can't we? I mean, we want to spend trillions as a nation. What's the next one up from trillions? Quadrillions? I don't know. (laughs) But why not just move there? So we can imagine lots of wealth, right? We can imagine lots of things. But God says his word is greater than all that. And yet, if it's in our hands and we're not willing to put it in, wow. What a picture. Now the word truth in the Greek I think it's a neat word because it's uh, a compound word. Well, no, it's not a compound word. It has a negative particle in front. So I don't think that makes it compound. I have to go back to English class. Sorry, everyone. But it's aletheia or something to that effect <laughs> in the Greek. So the a, uh, the a in front of the word, which is lan. Thano, the A is the negative particle. 
So, meaning not lanthano, which is to be hidden, to be hidden from, secretly, unawares, or without knowing. So truth in the Greek is not hidden, or not hidden from one, or not without knowing. It's not darkness, basically, right? What did Jesus say? He who does this, does the truth, comes to the light. Those who reject, what are they doing? They love the darkness. And truth is not hidden. Darkness, hidden. Why? Because you don't want people to see what you're doing. That's why we hide things, right? Why do people lie? They want to keep whatever that truthful thing was hidden. Why do robbers rob at night? You know, most bad things happen when? When it's dark. Why? Well, not too surprising, right? Because it's dark. We don't want people to see until um, it gets bad enough, which kind of getting there, right, to where people are doing evil continually. Days of Noah. Hmm. And everything out in the open. More and more out in the open now than it was before. It was always there, but it was well hidden. Now it's just in plain view. But truth is not hidden in the light. And to walk in truth is to exemplify truth in your life, to express the form of truth in your habits of thought and modes of living. A.K.A. the open, honest, transparent life, right? Nothing hidden. And there's great freedom in that. Now, when we want to try to hide something, we don't think there's freedom in that, right? But when someone already knows, they can't hold that against you, can they? If you try to keep something hidden and someone knows about it, they can hold that over you. That's what people do, right? To rule over. You're listening to one of the freshman congressmen. Well, I think it's two years are almost up. 26 years old. Talking about what they do <laughs> in Washington, D.C. Now, we not surprised what they're doing, but yeah, he said, you know, the longer people stay there, the more they have against them. And they hold that over them to get them to do what they want to do. See that preeminence, that desire to be first, that desire to keep things hidden, that desire to um, remain in that power. What did Jesus say? Don't be like the Gentiles who desire to lord over you. What did he say? Be servant of all. John 8, freedom in the truth. John 8, 28 through 32. Then Jesus said unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me. I speak these things, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. <laughs> free? Free to do whatever you want? No, free to do what is right. 
free to do what glorifies God, right? What did God create us for? Revelation 4.11. That's your answer. God created all things for His pleasure, for His glory. We are created for Him and His glory. We are free to do what glorifies God. And what glorifies God? Doing the truth. Doing what He wrote down. It's like the instructions. If you made the best coffee maker ever, my example, I like coffee, so we'll go with that one. You design it for a certain thing, right? To make the best cup of coffee. And when it's acting in the way that I've made it, it's free, right? Because it's within the bounds of what it was designed for. If it starts doing something different, it's no longer free because it's going against the bounds of what it was created for. Breaks down. Things go haywire. And now I don't have a good cup of coffee anymore. What do I do with that? I throw it away. Good thing God's not like that, right? <laughs> but yet provided us a way to be able to come to him and do what is right. Made free in him. So watch out for the experts. Why? Because they reject the word of God. Jeremiah's day. Plenty of experts in those days, right? Who knew what it was to, to uh, run the temple still? Who knew what it was to, to declare safety and peace? And don't worry about the Babylonians. We're good to go. But yet, at the same time, what were they doing? Rejecting God's word because they were also going to the high places. And, and well, I showed up on, on Temple Day, Saturday, right? That makes me good for the rest of the week. I can do whatever I want. I'm free. That's the, the lie, right? Free to do whatever you want. But yet, none of that brings true fulfillment. Only when we're operating in how God designed us brings true fulfillment. But anyways, Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 6 through 9, says, I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. No man repented him of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his course as the horse rusheth into battle. Yea, the stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times, and the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. What a picture. The animals know what to do. They're not confused about things. How are you confused about things? It makes no sense. What do you mean we don't know what a, a woman is or what a man is or anything like that? Foolishness. Same thing. You know, whatever they were walking in then. And God is saying, look at, look at the animals. They're not confused about these things. What's wrong with you? You're supposed to have a brain. Verse 8. How do ye say, we are wise, and the law of the Lord is with us? Lo, certainly in vain may he it, the pen of the scribes is in vain. The wise men are ashamed, they are dismayed and taken. Lo, they have rejected the word of the Lord, and what wisdom is in them? What wisdom is in you if you reject the word of the Lord? 
Well, James explains two types of wisdom, right? The wisdom that's from above and the wisdom that is from below, that is earthly and sensual. If you reject God's wisdom, what are you left with? Yikes, the wisdom from below. <laughs> End of James, if you want to check that out later on. We'll keep pressing on. Verse 5. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to the strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. And a wonderful thing in there, I think, for his name's sake, they went forth. That we should do what we do for his name's sake and for his glory. And that was um, Gaius. Now, I wrote unto the church by Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. So preeminence again, the desire to be first, fond of being first. Now it's really not too far uh, of a belief to, to see that really that lurks in all of us, right? I mean, that's how our life was for sure before Christ. And it's always sort of trying to lurk there uh, in the flesh. You think of the disciples as they walked with Jesus. How often did they discuss their love of preeminence? Almost seemed like every day <laughs> in the Gospels. I mean, what probably wasn't every single day, but who's going to be first? I'm first. Lord, when we get to heaven, can I sit on your right hand? Because I'm first. You know it. <laughs> you were so lucky when you picked me. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> be like the Pharisee. Lord, thank you that you made me a Pharisee and not like that scum over there that tax collector. <laughs> but yet, there it is. We can see it. What did Jesus teach? The first will be last, and the last will be first, right? Jesus said that he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom. If you want to be his disciple, what was Jesus' instructions? Deny self. Take up your cross, follow after him. Loving to have the preeminence, that self-first life, that self-focused life, preeminence will reject correction. Preeminence will bring in excuses. You know, how many excuses come to mind when someone brings a word of correction? Well, it's not my fault, or this person did this, or... That person did that, and um, I think of all the responses. Thankfully, they were email to to things and writing it out. You know, why did you? Why did this happen? And providing all my excuses until I go back and read it and go, yeah, that's nothing but excuses. That's wrong. 
delete it all? Yeah, I did it wrong. Sorry about that. Way easier. <laughs> and would have taken a lot less time than, you know how much more time it takes to write excuses? A lot. <laughs> I should learn and stop doing that. <laughs> so preeminence rejects correction. It's a good thing to remind ourselves, you know, how do I receive or how do I react to the word of God? His words of correction in my life. Do I use words of rejection or indignation? I'm not that bad. I'm only human. You know, excuses. Or can I receive his correction with repentance? Lord, I was wrong. Lord, please forgive me. Lord, I need help. Please help me. Teach me your ways. I desire to walk in your ways. Thank you that your word is that light before my feet, that, that lamp to the path that I get to walk in. Preeminence wants relationship only according to their terms. When you live that self-first that, that self life, freely surrendering or freely submitting or freely esteeming others better than yourself, not really options when you desire self-first. Only time someone would freely submit under someone else when um, they're focused on preeminence is when that person is usually stronger or it's somehow to their advantage to get what they want in the long run. Again, it's truly not freely giving, but preeminence seeks reputation over character. The desire that people would look at you in a certain way versus the true way. And always trying to hide behind a reputation versus just living out your life in the character of who you are. And John finishes up here. As we finish up, as I've gone quite long already. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. It's a good reminder. How do you want to, or excuse me, who do you want to follow? You know, as John writes, you know, follow that which is good and, and not evil. And who do you follow? Because in the end, you're going to follow after that which you really want to do. Pretty simple, right? In the end, you're always going to do what you want to do. Unless you deny self. And do know that there is a difference between self-sacrifice and self-denial. Like, I freely sort of deny, um, I'll give up chocolate for Lent or something like that. That's not really denying self. But self-denial is, I really want that thing. I really desire after that thing. But that is not for me. And deny self. Laying down life. Esteeming others better than yourself. Good question too about following what is good. How do you want to be followed? 
Interesting thought, huh? How would you want someone to follow you? Or do you want someone to follow you? Or would you think, well, I don't really want them to see me when I go down there because I don't want them to see what I do down there. Or, you know, whatever it happens to be, if we're living a good uh, in the light, what would it matter? Just as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And that should be our desire. He's like, yeah, come along. You want to come? Wonderful. Because I'm going to follow Christ, and that's what you want to do. You're in the right spot. Good place. Uh, Demetrius hath a good report of all men, and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. Had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. So a good way to live life, Galatians 5.16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and thou shalt not satisfy the lusts of the flesh. Because we need the Spirit. We need the fullness of the Spirit. The desire for the Spirit. And because it wisely been said we're leaky vessels how often do we need to to be filled with the spirit say all the time lord i need help because as soon as i start walking in the flesh my own wisdom my own strength where do i find myself blowing it (laughs) walking in the flesh and manifesting those things and yikes here i am again but isn't god what amazing god resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And as we humbly come before him, instead of in that that pride, the conceits that, no, that's not me or it's not my fault, but it is my fault. Lord, I blew it again. Aren't you thankful for the Proverbs that says, the wise man is the one who falls down seven times and does what? Gets back up seven times. You think that's the limit? I've fallen more than seven times. The Lord's grace (laughs) is amazing. A thousand times? Ten thousand times? A hundred thousand times? Just keep getting back up, Lord. I repent. He pours out grace and even more grace to the humble. So, Father, thank you for your love and your grace, Lord. Wow. Amazing. Lord, even just thinking about the throne of grace, Lord, you sit upon the throne of grace. You are on the throne, means you're king, Lord over all. And Lord, yet it's a throne of grace and and we can humbly come. And, and And your word says boldly come because the way is open. Thank you, Lord, that You pour out your grace. And Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the prayer that you gave. uh, You said, Jesus, to sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. And Lord, thank you that you answer. And Lord, as you continue to to pour into us, Lord, the desire to to receive and to do all that, that you have, Lord, 
that we would be those that desire to walk in truth and excited about everybody else walking in the truth and desiring to see others come to the truth and, and walk in the truth, Lord. And, and Lord, that you would uh, continue to add to your church daily, those being saved, Lord. Use our lives to be that light that points to you, that glorifies you, that, that people can only say it's the Lord. Lord, use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right.